Well, good morning, church. Um, my name is Kale Williams, um, and I have the privilege of serving on staff here as the ministry, ministry associate as well as our student ministry leader here. Um, my wife, Kate, and I have been here since the end of April, um, and this, is, this church has been such a wonderful, life-giving place for us to be able to grow and serve alongside each of you guys, um, and so we're so excited. Um, well, if you have your Bibles, this week we are going to be wrapping up um, Paul's first letter to Timothy. Um, we have spent the last 16 weeks studying this letter and seeing so many wonderful truths that God, through His Holy Spirit, has given and preserved for us through the Apostle Paul. So let's now take time to open to the very end of chapter 6 and look at the final two verses together. Hear now the word of the Lord. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for that you are a God who loves your people so dearly. Thank you for how in your divine wisdom and power you have preserved your written word for us so that we may know you intimately. God, I pray that today your Holy Spirit speaks to your church. God, that I can get out of the way so that your spirit can work. Thank you for who you are and in Jesus' name, amen. So these final verses feel just a little bit like a southern goodbye to me. Um, throughout the entire letter, he has continuously hounded several points. And it's almost like, you know, he's wrapping up earlier, but he wants to add one last little thing right before he leaves. Um, but I can remember also being in elementary school and even now sometimes in grad school where I have a very hard time coming up with a solid introduction and conclusion. Um, but any good writing teacher will tell you that the introduction and conclusion of your writing is what most people are going to remember. And so Paul clearly knew this and, and wanted to ensure that at the end of his letter, he was able to emphasize the final point that he felt was necessary for Timothy and the church in Ephesus, um, as well as give a summary of what he has written for the past six chapters. And so as we look at these final two verses, um, there are three aspects of these last two verses that I would like for us to really focus in on so that we can remember all of the things we've learned over the last 16 weeks so that we can apply it to our lives and understand that God's word is living and active. Um, and so we are going to explore what Paul is telling Timothy to guard from what Timothy is guarding it from and why he's telling Timothy to guard this deposit in the first place. So to start this final charge, Paul writes, guard the deposit entrusted to you. So what does that mean? What is the deposit that Paul is talking about to Timothy? And in the context of the whole letter, I think Paul is telling Timothy to guard three things. And the first of these three things being the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So look back with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul writes, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. 
nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. There's a way in which there are people both within and from without the church trying to sneak in who are teaching a different gospel that is different from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul even goes so far as to call these men out by name, if you remember Alexander and Hymenaeus from several weeks ago. And the role of Timothy as the pastor and elder of this church is to protect the church from false teachings and distortions of the gospel. And in the same vein, the Apostle Peter wrote in his second letter a very similar warning about false teaching entering the church. He writes in 2 Peter verse 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing up themselves swift destruction." This is a very real threat in the church in Ephesus. And we'll talk more on this as we continue today, but now it is key that we must see how false teaching can be extremely detrimental to the life of the church and how a body of believers function. The Gospel of John refers to lies as darkness and truth as light. As one of the elders of this church, Paul is commanding Timothy to guard the church from darkness and to keep them in the light of truth of the Gospel. And what is this Gospel? What is this gospel that must be protected? And Paul explains it explicitly later in chapter 1 when he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Church, this is the gospel. We have all offended and been separated from a good, perfect, thrice holy creator God. And this is due to our sin and transgression against him that began all the way back in Genesis 3 when our forebears, Adam and Eve, thought that they were, knew better of what was good and true as opposed to what God said was good and true. We are now under the curse of sin and we are in desperate need for a savior to be back in right relationship with God. And he himself provided the solution through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for our atonement. God paid the price for us. Friends, this is the message we are called to guard. It is the best news that has ever been told in a lost, dying, and hurting world. That God came to us when we could not come to him. And the sad reality was that there were and are people trying to distort this good news. But not only is Timothy charged to guard the sound doctrine of the church, but also charged to guard the life lived in accordance with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now there is a way in which these two things are related, because oftentimes our right belief will then inform our right action and our right practice of life. But Paul emphasizes throughout the entirety of this letter that living a gospel-centered life matters. It matters to an individual, it matters to the church, and it matters to God. In chapter, four of verse, uh, in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Paul says to train yourself for godliness. When Paul says this to Timothy, he says this as someone who deeply loves Timothy. Paul loves Timothy how any mentor who has poured his life, soul, and mind into a person cares about them. 
Paul is pleading with Timothy to remain holy for his own sake and for the sake of the church. And then the third aspect of the deposit that Timothy is told to guard is that Timothy is told to guard the specific contents of the letter that Paul has written to him here. In this letter, Paul addresses several different aspects of the life of the church that help us because some parts of the church in Ephesus were not running well or they could have run better. And he gives several practical instructions on how the life of a local church should function throughout this letter. He looks at elders, he looks at deacons, service to the vulnerable, such as widows, how the church should pray, who should teach, as well as church discipline. But I think altogether these things that he's covered can be summed up in the statement, how the Christian is supposed to live out a gospel-centered life in the context of community for the sake of the health and reputation of God's covenant people, the church. Not only does Paul give practical advice for how this church should run, but also reminds Timothy of his unique calling to shepherd this specific congregation of believers as an elder and pastor. He references this calling in chapter 1 and then again in chapter 4 when he says, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember and guard his calling for this flock. Not only that, but the, that, that the proper way to guard this flock is in accordance with his calling is to look back at the teaching Paul has deposited to him in this letter and throughout his ministry. And so now that we've kind of looked at what this deposit that Timothy is guarding, let's look at some of the specifics in which he is guarding it from. In the second half of verse 20, Paul writes, Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. This looks a whole lot like what Paul says again back in chapter 1 when he says certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things of which they make confident assertions. What we have going on in this church is a whole lot of false teaching um, that is challenging the truth that Timothy is called to guard. But according to Paul, there are three distinct ways in which false teaching is manifesting itself in this specific congregation. Um, The first way is irreverent babble. So the Greek word here that is translated to babble is is actually two words, and it's kino and phonia, which literally means making an empty sound. (laughs) So Paul here is warning Timothy to protect himself for those people, and we all know them, who say a lot but don't really say anything. Do we know that? Um, But also, this means to avoid people whose words offer no good advancement for the good of the church and for people. Paul even tells Timothy to avoid these things himself. And I think this is a fair warning because I think as a pastor, the most dangerous thing you can do is say a whole lot and not really say anything. So the second point is contradictions. There has been and always will be people who love to look for controversy and just want to fight about it. I think we can all agree that we know people who love to fight, whether or not they actually even believe their point or not. Paul warns in this letter earlier about people who are speaking and causing conflict among the people. And here he warns of this again and warns Timothy as a shepherd of the flock that he has no reason and no calling to participate in those empty disputes and arguments. 
Now, obviously, there is a time and place for a good discussion, especially among people who disagree. But a love of argument for argument's sake, and particularly the love of causing disunity and enjoying asserting oneself intellectually in a way that belittles the other is in complete antithesis to the gospel and how Jesus calls us to speak. Even more so, not just our neighbor, but our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the third point, what is first falsely called knowledge. So here we actually see the beginning of what will turn into a major point in his second letter to Timothy. So the word here for knowing is gnosis, which is the stem word for a group of early church heretics known as the Gnostics. Um, Now we know from Paul's second letter that Gnosticism was a heresy that began to infiltrate the church in Ephesus where Timothy was teaching. And now without a long history lesson, because honestly, I I geek out kind of hard about heresies. I don't know why. It's so weird. I just find it super fascinating. Um, The Gnostics believed in essence that we were souls who were trapped in our physical bodies and that we needed to be freed. Um, And to do that, we had to achieve secret information and join almost like this secret society type thing to be able to get um, to the point of salvation where our mind and body were in conflict with one another. Um, And we know that this is not the gospel. Um, This is in absolute conflict with the gospel. God made us both physical and spiritual beings, meaning our bodies are good, and so is our souls. But not only that, but the gospel is not for a secret select few. It is good news for any who choose to believe it, repent of their sins, and follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Paul is warning Timothy about a dangerous distortion of the gospel here. We must hold true to the truth of Scripture, guarding the deposit we have from the Holy Spirit. Now, in our day, we may not have many Gnostics going around trying to to get us to join their secret organization to, to be freed, but we do have other very real very prevalent distortions of the gospel in our society. We have things such as the prosperity gospel. This says that Jesus will give us all that we want on this physical earth, and most of which we probably don't need if we just have faith. Universalism, that there is no punishment for sinning against a holy and perfect God. Legalism, that we have to work and do good things to earn God's favor and earn our salvation. And then moralistic therapeutic deism, which is a term that was coined by sociologist Christian Smith at the University of Notre Dame. And this is the idea that God wants us to be the best version of ourselves, that allows us for us to sin as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. The truth Sin always hurts people, whether it's yourself or others. This is where our desires and feeling good about ourselves are of the utmost importance as opposed to Jesus. And there are so many more. These are dangerous because they take some truths of the gospel and then change other parts. Or they take this part and then add this thing from our secular culture into it. All in all, the distortions of the gospel today are just as dangerous as the distortions of the gospel 2,000 years ago. And we, as true followers of Jesus, have the blessing and the gift of the full revelation of Jesus and his word in the scriptures. We must do all that we can to hold true and not find ourselves slipping into these teachings. 
And so finally, let's look at why it is urgent for Timothy to guard this deposit for the church. At the beginning of verse 21, Paul says, For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. What Paul is saying to Timothy is that the primary purpose behind what he does as a pastor in this church in guarding this deposit is done out of love for the covenant people of God. God deeply, deeply loves his people. And he desires for his people to know the truth. Earlier, Paul writes about God's heart and says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a glimpse of God's heart. God loves his people, and God desires that none of his creation should perish eternally. And likewise, God cares about what is taught in his church, because the message that God has given us, both through his revealed word and his revealed son, lead to salvation. Any other message leads to destruction. There is one gospel that leads to life and all else leads to death. And God cares about his covenant people enough to tell us that. Paul knows this. And that's why he has continued and continued to emphasize this point to guard the deposit of truth. And to close, Paul changes his audience from Timothy directly to the church as a whole. A whole. When Paul concludes with his final phrase, grace be with you, he actually makes a major shift here in the Greek and uses the plural pronoun. So the Mississippi translation of this closing is grace be with y'all. <laughs> this is so, so important. Because we see that not only is Paul telling Timothy to guard this deposit, but Paul is commanding the whole church at Ephesus and even now the entire church of Jesus Christ to guard the deposit of the gospel. We must realize the gravity of the truth of the gospel that we carry. We are called to carry the message that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. This is good news. And God not only loved the church at Ephesus, but God deeply loves us, Bellwether Church, the church in America, the church in the world. Every person in this room is not vocationally called to be a pastor, a minister, or own church staff, but every single person in this room has a sphere of influence that they are called to guard for the sake of Jesus Christ. For some, that is your spouse. For some, that is your children. For some, that is your friends at work. And for some, it is the people that follow you on social media. You are called to guard the good deposit of the gospel. And since we clearly see that Paul wrote this not just for Timothy, but for all followers of Jesus, there are four practical implications that I want to leave us with as we conclude not just today, but also the entirety of 1 Timothy. Number one, be careful what you are consuming. The secular writer and thinker, David Foster Wallace, opening his commencement address to Kenyon College, said, gave this parable, if you will, um, to kind of help explain what's going on in our culture. He said, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? 
And the two young fish keep swimming on for a little bit. And then eventually one of them looks over to the other and goes, what the heck is water? <laughs> there is a way in which what we, what we consume becomes so second nature that we don't even realize what it is we're consuming. At the time that Paul wrote this letter, a false teacher would have to walk into the meeting space of a church, boldly stand up, and begin speaking in front of the whole congregation where anyone could rebuke them or call them out. And this made it easier for folks to call them out. Now, a false teacher can just upload anything that he wishes onto the internet for anyone to see. This is so dangerous. That means at any point, anything, anyone can say anything they want without any accountability. Be careful what you consume. Number two, we must live in community alongside believers. The only way we can be held accountable for these things is through living with other Christians. Other Christians who are there to make sure we are consuming the right things, but also who hold us accountable ourselves for falling into a reverent babble and speaking false things. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. And a great way to practically live this out is through small groups. Shameless plug, we are in the middle of a greenhouse right now where we are trying to launch more and more small groups into our community. Come on Wednesday nights and join and see the beauty and the gift of gospel community and how vital it is in our day and age. Number three, we have to do all of these things through the lens of the true gospel that we see in God's word. All things that we see, read, hear, or experience must be filtered through the inerrant Word of God. We can only know the deposit we are guarding when we spend time in God's Word and experience the truth. If we are not studying the truth, how will we know a lie? The way that the FBI trains to see counterfeit money is, money is through studying what the real currency looks like so that they can spot it. God has given us His Word. We have more access to God's Word than anyone in history. We have it on all of our devices. You can go to a store and buy a million different Bibles in a million different languages. That is such a gift. And how are we utilizing that to filter everything else that we consume so easily in? And then our final point the only means in which we may do these things is through grace. <laughs> Both grace from Jesus to us, the grace to understand, the grace to see His will, the grace to understand who He is, but also the grace that we give to our brothers and sisters. The right response when we see a brother and sister stumbling into false teaching is not to embarrass them, but it is to call them into truth with love. We all fall sin. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. When we fail or when others we know love fail, we must correct them, but we have to do it in a spirit of love. We can do no good apart from God's grace. And He is so rich in giving grace. So church, as we finish, let us guard the good deposit that God has given us. Let us avoid babble and contradictions and false knowledge 
And let us protect those who are vulnerable to fall into deception. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, you are a good God. You are a God who loves his people so much that he came to us when we were so filthy and separated from our sin. God, you came to us. Lord, I want to pray that we at Bellwether Church would be known as people of truth. People who love your truth, who love your word, and who love the deposit of your gospel. God, I want to pray that you give each and every one of us the grace to live in the light of truth and not the darkness of lies. Lord, I pray that you equip each and every one of us to love our neighbor, love our brothers and sisters in Christ enough to tell them the truth in a way that is inviting and loving and not in a way that is divisive. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these last 17 weeks and how we have consistently been able to see that you love your church. God, you have called us unto yourself. Nothing from our own merit, but only because of your grace. We love you, Lord. Amen.